Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Boy, what some powerful truths there, right? The day and its troubles will come. But what do we know? That his strength will be enough. He will get us through it. And he will accomplish his good purposes in our lives, even through the, the greatest difficulties. So good to know, isn't it? Well, it's really good to see all of you today. And I was one of those people who was enjoying the sunshine. In fact, after we took care of some things in here this morning, I went and stood out in the parking lot for a while today. And just Somebody told me once the sun hitting your skin makes you happy or something like that. I'm not sure, but I was enjoying that. Uh, well, today we are... Uh, Continuing the sermon that we started last week, a two-part sermon entitled, you know, uh, Why God Gives You Money and Why You Need to Give It Away. And so last week we talked about why God gives you money. And if you didn't get a chance to be here for that, I'd encourage you to uh, get online and and watch it or, or listen to it through a podcast. Because it's really foundational for some of the things we're talking about today that God gives us our money for lots of things. He gives it to us to provide our basic needs. He gives it to us to teach us character and to teach us faith, grow us in our relationship with Him, as well as to accomplish His purposes in our world. And part of those, He also wants us to enjoy what He gives to us. And so all those things, but one of the things that He gives us money to, money for, is to give. And that's what we want to talk about today. Why you need to give it away. That, that it's for your benefit to learn to give your money away. And I'm not saying all of it, okay, that's not the point. I mean, that could be, but that's not, not what I'm trying to say. We need to learn to give our money away. Um, I'm, I'm excited about uh, this message because what my wife and I have learned in our lives in this area of giving, learning to give, Learning to give when we really didn't have hardly anything to give, but learning to give anyway. Working towards trying to become generous people. Um, All of these things. God has changed our lives. We talked about it this morning a little bit. I was talking about what I was going to be preaching, and and Glenn and I were saying, you know, that it's it's strange, but I I guess money tends to have a hold on us, doesn't it, in our life? Right? I mean, it demand, has the money demands and this, that, and the expectations, and, and sometimes we put our security in it, which we shouldn't. Sometimes we find our significance in it, which we shouldn't. But I mean, all of this stuff is money there. But so giving has a way of breaking the hold of money on our lives. And I'm not, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll get, pick up more on that as we go through the sermon. So, what we're going to do today, though, is, is we are going to go through six passages of Scripture. And if all goes well, we'll be out of here by 2 o'clock. <laughs> no, we're going to have to move fairly quickly through these passages, okay, and focus in on these things. But what you see is that there, there are six things that we are going to see throughout these passages. Some in one passage, some in the other. And those things are stewardship, the concept of stewardship, the idea that 
All that we have has been entrusted to us by God. It ultimately belongs to him. And we are to use it the way that he wants us to use it. Okay, that's what it means to be a steward, to manage God's money. Uh, we're going to see off the top giving, what the Bible says about that. We're going to talk about percentage giving. We'll see that in the scriptures. We'll see in the scriptures the idea of the, that this giving thing needs to be something that's from the heart. It shouldn't be something that's some rule that you have to follow. That's not what it's about. Uh, generosity. You know, Christians ought to be generous people, don't you think? Shouldn't that go along with it? If you know someone who's a Christian, they ought to be a generous person, all right? And then the idea of seeing God's sufficient provision that he provides what we need and his amazing blessings. When we get a hold of what he says about giving and we put it into our lives, okay? And so let's take our Bibles and jump right into this, okay? Genesis chapter 14. And today is a day when you really ought to try to follow along in a Bible if you can. You can share a Bible with someone else if you want, but if you don't have a Bible with you or the Bible in your phone, um, I really encourage you, there should be Bibles under the chairs there. Uh, pick up one of those and follow along because it's going to be very, very helpful to you as we do. All right, Genesis chapter 14. Uh, we see a story about Abram. And Abram, we know as Abraham, it's just at this point in the story, God hasn't changed his name yet, okay? So I may say Abram, I may say Abraham, same guy, okay? And what he, he, he uh, learned is that his nephew and his family, the city that they were living in had been, uh, a conquering army had come through and taken them and all of their wealth and possessions and, and all the people in the city and had taken them away. And so Abraham takes his men that are in his household and, and goes after them and comes upon them and apparently surprises them and, and defeats them and rescues his nephew, family, the people of this, that city, and all of their wealth, all of their possessions that have been taken away. Abram now has, okay? He now has control over them. And typically, can you finish this statement, somebody? To the victor go the spoils, right. And so it would be very natural for Abraham to say, okay, I went, now this stuff is mine. We're going to see in the story, actually we won't look at it, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He, he gives back, okay, to the people who it came from. But let's pick up in verse number 18. This is how he's on his way back. He's, he's getting close to home. Verse 18 says this, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And so God had a, a man in this area. Salem, by the way, becomes Jerusalem eventually. Okay? It means peace. He's the king of peace. His name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. I mean, he, this Melchizedek is very much a portrait of the Lord Jesus Christ, symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and maybe even more than that, but we're going to stop there. And so he comes out to meet Abraham. And verse 19, it says, And he, Melchizedek, the priest, blessed him, Abraham, and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. So let's stop there. Right here we see the concept of stewardship, because who is the possessor of heaven and earth and all things in it? God is, not Abraham. Abraham has all this stuff, but really, who is the possessor? God is. Okay, Abraham, your victory. How did you get your victory? What's it say? 
God delivered your enemies into your hand. Okay, God is the one who enabled you to do that. That means God is the one who enabled you to win. God is the one who put, brought all these stuff into your control, Abraham. All of it belongs to God. So this concept of stewardship, what is Abraham's response? Very next phrase, the end of verse 20. And he, Abraham, gave him, the priest of God, a tithe of all. The very first thing that we see Abraham doing in response to uh, what God has just done and in response to this statement that God is the possessor, God is the giver, Abraham's first response is to give. Okay, to give to the Lord. All right? And it says he gave him a tithe. So anyway, we see, see stewardship here. We also see percentage giving. Okay? Abraham gives a tenth. Now, why did he give a tenth? I don't know for sure. My sense is that this was kind of a, 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 kind of a, just a known thing, what you did. But a tenth is 10%. Okay? So he gave 10%. And, and let me say this. I, I think we also see what we call off the top giving here, which I'll focus in on more later. But the reality is, is all of this stuff is here. And Abraham can do whatever he wants with it. And like I said, we see that eventually he's returning it to the people. But start off off the top before he does anything else. What's he do? He takes that first 10% and gives it to the Lord as an act of stewardship and as an act of worship and as an act of gratitude for what God has done. Okay? Uh, so let me just stop right now and just do it right now. And, and don't... Just don't give up on the sermon after this, okay? Kind of early in the sermon, I know. Uh, but it says a tithe, a tenth, 10%. All right? Later, 600 years later, in the law of Moses, as God gives the commandments and then all the regulations, they, he's going to tell them that they have to be tithing in the law, under the law. They were to give three tithes, okay? They were to give 10%. You know, act of worship, they're supposed to give another 10% for another reason, I don't remember what it was, and then every third year they were to give another 10%, and that money was to be help the poor, okay? Now, Israel was a na nation as well as a religious group, and so part of that is it's almost like taxation, okay? But nonetheless, they were giving us this 10%. We are not under the law to give 10%. Because one of the things that Jesus did for us, when he came and lived, he perfectly fulfilled the law, Right? And, and uh, in our Romans class on Wednesday night, we've talked about this. Look what the Scripture says. The Scripture says, what did the law do for us? For the most part, what it is, it, it showed us that we were what? Sinners. It showed us that we, we didn't live up to it. We, we had problems. And so Jesus fulfilled the law. We are no longer under the law with respect to our relationship with God to try to earn right standing with Him. We just aren't. Jesus took care of that. Now we have a relationship based on his forgiveness, his life within us, okay? So we are not under the, the law to tithe, to give 10%. But I want you to see something, that Abraham is about 600 years before the law, and he purposefully chose to give 10%. And what I want to say to you is this. I, I believe for the Christian, and we're going to see that you as a Christian, you have to decide how much you give. That's between you and God. And the point is, it should be between you and God, and you need to work it out with God. And you need to do what he says. But when you start pondering and saying, okay, so how much should I give? And, and we're going to see that percentage giving is a part of how God teaches us to give. Whether it's 10%, 5%, 15%, whatever. Percentage giving. We, we settle that with God and then we give that. Um, 
If you want to go to the Bible and look for an example, when the Bible gives an example of giving and it indicates it, you know, it's a positive thing, it is never less than 10%. Sometimes it's more. Okay? Now, those are examples. Those aren't commandments. But I'm just saying, I, I just want to encourage you right now, just open up your heart to God and say, okay, God, I am willing to give whatever you want me to give. You know, and I'm willing to look to your word and get direction for that. And, and he will lead you to what he wants you to do. All right. So stewardship. And off the top, giving percentage, we see here with Abraham. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, the book of wisdom, page 727 in, in the Bible that was there under the chairs. Page 727, Proverbs chapter 3. We know this verse. If you've been around uh, Christianity, churches, for very long, you know these verses. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So it's about trusting God in your heart. And that's important because the next phrase says, and lean not on your own understanding. Um, have you noticed that you can't always understand everything that God says to do? And when I say understand, I mean you don't understand how it all works out, Right? God says to do this. My natural inclination is to do this. But God says to do this. And i got to lean on something here. Am I going to lean on my own understanding? Or am I going to lean on what God has said? Okay, and so he's saying don't lean on your own understanding. Okay? In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. And so we're saying in my life... I need to, every area of my life, when in my marriage relationship, I need to say, okay, well, what are God's ways? What has he said? Okay, I need to try to do that. In, in my work, what does God say about how I should work in my relationship with my employer? Or if you're the employer, what should, how should that work? And I need to try to live by those ways. Uh, when it comes to my relationship with the community and the government, we go on and on, including your money, right? What does God say about what I'm supposed to do with my money? What's his purpose in my life? How much am I supposed to give? How do I give? We need to do what? Acknowledge him in all our ways. So what we see here, this is the way we're supposed to live in every area of life. So that's the way we're supposed to live, but it's also how we're supposed to give. Does that make sense? When it comes to our giving, we're going to trust the Lord with all our hearts. We're not going to depend on our own understanding. No, we're going to try to acknowledge him in his ways, by doing his ways, and trust him to lead us through those things. Let's continue. He, it really starts to emphasize this idea about not your own understanding. He says, do not be wise in your own eyes. And the implication here is, okay, here's what God says, but you think, eh, no, I, I'm going to do it this way. I think this is a better way. He says, don't do that. Don't be that way. In fact, the next phrase, he says, fear the Lord and depart from evil. Do you understand what he's saying? When you are wise in your own conceits, when you say, my way, I'm going to do it my, I'm going to do it the way I feel comfortable with. I'm going to, and it's about you and what you want and how you feel. That is evil. That's not how we as Christians are supposed to live. Let that sink in, right? That's not how we as Christians are supposed to live. All right. And then he says this. 
it will be, verse eight, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And we just, he's saying it's going to be good for you. When you say, no, I'm not gonna be wise in my own conceits. I'm not gonna go my way. I'm gonna do my best to go God's way. I don't necessarily understand it all. I don't know how it works out, but I am going to trust God with all my heart. And I'm gonna go his way. Verse eight, it's going to be good for you. Can we settle that right now? That if you do what God wants you to do with respect to your giving, that it will be good for you. This is what I tried to talk about early in the sermon last week. That um, what I notice is that when I preach what the word of God says about money and giving, it's not unusual for the giving to go up. But that's not why I'm preaching this to you. I'm preaching to you because you need to know what God says. And you need to, to understand it. And I wanna challenge you to apply it because when you do, Guess who benefits? Who? You do. That's right. And are there good benefits that ripple out from there? Absolutely. But it, it will be good for you if you will say, okay, God, I have my natural ways of thinking about things. I have my fears. I have all this kind of stuff. But you know what, God? I am going to put my trust in you. Do what you say. It will be good for you. That's what God says. So, he turns now, he takes this. So this is how we live, and this is also how we ought to give. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions. This is stewardship again, isn't it? God has entrusted all this to you. We talked about that last week at length. Uh, so honor him with it. In other words, do the things that he says to do with your money. Handle your money the way God says you ought to handle your money. And that's all of it, not just what you give, but all of it. And then he says this, with the first fruits of all your increase. That's a big concept. Now, in the Old Testament, in the law, they talked about an offering of first fruits. And you know, what does it mean? Well, it means this, that they, they were largely an uh, agricultural society, okay? And so they would, uh, you know, maybe grow wheat or whatever. And as the wheat came up and it began to come in, they gave what came first. What's the problem with that, potential problem with that? You give God what comes up first, and you give it, they would give it to the temple, and they would do that. What if it hails tonight and destroys the rest of the wheat and we don't get any more? Wow, this is a step of faith, isn't it? We're going to give to God first, off the top, before anything else. And so he says, honor me with the first fruits. Well, how do I know if I give to God first, you know, before I even figure out all the rest of stuff, I'm going to give to God first what he's led me to give. But what if my car breaks down? What if I lose my job? What if, what if, what if, what if? Don't lean on your own understanding, right? And always acknowledge him. It will be good for you. God will work. And so we see here both the concepts of stewardship, using it the way God says, and then honoring him with it. And so you're worried, man, I don't know, how will I meet ends, make ends meet? Let's say especially if you say today and you reach a conclusion, you know, I'm going to go with what God has said in his word. I'm going to go with those examples of starting with 10% and, and giving that. And that's, I can't even get my head around that, you say. But you know what? I am going to do it. Will I have enough? Verse 10. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. God is going to bless you. God is going to provide for you. All right? 
You see how this all flows together? And so we see God's provision, and not just his provision, but his abundant provision. All right, let's go to Matthew chapter 6, page 1117. Matthew chapter 6, again, page 1117, and let's start in verse 19. I referenced these verses last week, but we didn't look them up. This is Jesus talking. This is part of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, a very famous portion of Scripture. Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. All right? And so we said last week that your tendency is to put your treasure wherever your heart is. But we also said uh, that you can lead your heart by putting your treasure where you want your heart to be. Okay? Now, how do we lay up treasures in heaven? Well, I think that any time that we do something that God has made clear in his word, you need to live this way, you need to respond that way, and we by faith say, okay, I'm going to do it, you're laying up treasures in heaven. It's not just about money, although it is about money. Okay, How you use your money. When, when you are faithful, God provides you money to pay for your housing, and you faithfully pay for your housing. I think there are treasures laid up in heaven. Okay? He uh, said, so what do you mean, just for paying the rent? Well, if God gave you that money for the rent, right? And you see it that way, and you say, okay, God, I'm using this money for what you have, want me to do with it. Yeah, the treasure's laid up in heaven. But I think one of the most direct ways that you can lay up in treasures in heaven is in your giving, okay? Because there's nothing else there except saying, okay, God, I'm giving this to you, all right? And so what is this like, treasures in heaven? I don't know this can be like, all I know, it must be good, huh? It must be good. All right, so we need to have an eternal perspective in, in our hearts, again, that's the issue of the heart, giving from the heart. I'm going to uh, skip 22 and 23 right now. Uh, just basically the idea of those verses is, is how you look at any issue and how you look at your money is going to affect everything else in your life. Okay, verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is an interesting word. Uh, in some sense, it, it, um, it means your money, your possessions, okay, that idea. But mammon is more the idea of it's not just the money, but it's the pursuit of it. All right? It's, this is what matters. And what he's saying here is you can't say God matters to me most and then live like money matters most. You can't do that. Because only one can be what matters most. True? All right. So either the God and his word matters most or your money matters most when we're talking about money. He says you can't serve both. So this is kind of a duh question. Which should we choose to serve? The Lord, right? Okay. Let's continue. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now, this isn't in my notes anywhere or in my preparation, but just let me say this to you. If we are the result of a cosmic accident, random chance evolution, you are not more important than the bird. True? You're just an organic, chemical anomaly, just like they are. But that's not the truth. God is the one who created us. God has created the world, and of course, sin came in and has messed with it, but you are of more value than the birds. Okay? Let's continue reading. Verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to stature? You want to get yourself taller? Try. Go for it. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And if you don't know who Solomon was, he was the, uh, the richest king in all of Israel's history. Okay, Very wise man too, but the richest. He says, all of his glory, God has made these, uh, the, the flowers more glorious than him. Verse 30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, in other words, in other words it dies, you burn it, you use it for fuel. He says, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. And what he means by the Gentiles, is he's talking to a Jewish audience, these people who don't know God, these people don't have a relationship, yeah, they, they worry about those things, they have those needs. But look what he says next. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You have a heavenly Father who knows what you need. And we sing that song once in a while. You're a good, good father. You have a heavenly father who knows what you need. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And so if your life is about, I am going to, God, I want to live for you. I got I what? I, I surrender my life to you. I'm seeking first your kingdom, your righteousness. I want to do things that are right. I want to do things the right way, the way that your word says. God, this is what I'm doing. And that's how you live your life. Do you need to worry about your needs being met? No, you don't. You know, when you live that way, you're going to work. Because God says to work. You're going to do whatever he's led you to do. And, he would, and so... While this doesn't talk specifically about giving, if you say, God, when it comes to my money, I want to use it your way. I want it to use it in a way that accomplishes your purposes in the world and do it the way you say to do it. He will what? All these things will be added to you. God, I want to give the way that you say I ought to give in your word, and it's big, and I, it's kind of scary to me. I don't know how this all works, but God, I am going to trust you. I am going to do that. All these things shall be added to you. Okay, what a promise, right? God's amazing 
provision, doing things God's way. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, a very short passage of scripture that we're going to look at, but includes a couple of those ideas we talked about in the beginning. Remember stewardship and off the top giving, percentage giving, um, uh, let's see, yeah, from the heart giving, generosity, and how God provides, all these things. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints. All right, so here's the context. Um, the Jewish people, Jewish Christians in Israel, who had, the people who had come to Christ, you know, and the gospel had gone out from them, had gone out to places like Corinth, people got saved, churches were established. The people back in Israel, the Christians back in Israel, found themselves in a time of famine, and they were really hurting. They had great needs, okay? And so the Christians from all around the world began taking up a collection to send. And so this is what Paul is talking about, all right? But we see some principles here when it comes to our giving. He says, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. All right, so... Let me uh, uh, just break this down a little bit. I'll just work my way through it in order. On the first day of the week, what day is that? That's a Sunday, okay? He, he signed, and it doesn't mean you can't give on Monday or Wednesday. That isn't the point. He's trying to say weekly, okay? And the first day of the week is significant because that's when Christians got together. Okay? That's what they did. Um, then he says, the idea of lay by you in store every week. Oh, let me back up. So the idea is that every week you should have, you know, do an evaluation and say, well, how has God prospered me? What, what has been my income? What has come to me that is now in my control? Okay? Out of that. And he says, now you need to take some of that and give it. And he says, as he may prosper. That's proportional, isn't it? In other words, if, if someone gets a lot of income in a week, and they give how they prosper, they're going to what? Give a lot. If someone gets just a little bit of money in in a week, they're going to give what? Most likely a little. What if you get none in? I think you give 100% of zero. That's what you do. I gave 100% this week. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Every week as you prosper. Now, think about this. Because I know this happens. Every week. What if you don't make it to church one week? Hmm. I don't have to give if I don't come, right? No, if we want to take this to heart, we're going to say whether I'm here or not. And so if for some reason I don't make it to church to put money in the offering this week, well, I'm going to hang on to that because when I go next week, I'm going to give that too. All right, so this is what we talk about. It's, just, it's every week cycle of looking and evaluating. And like I said, if you give it monthly, that's fine. That's not the point. But you just need to say, what has God given to me that I need to do something with? And so this idea of proportional, again, it's, 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 it's a percentage that we're going to see you set that percentage with God. And then he says something that I think is important. He says, if there be no collections when I come. Okay. In other words, the money was to all be there ready when Paul came. Now let me tell you that I know there's a tendency, because we read about it, and, and um, that 
you know, you know, culture changes over time, generations change, how people are motivated changes. And, and one of the things you read is, well, people are much more motivated now to give to a project or give to a specific need than they are just to give. Well, you know, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. But here's the deal, is when it comes to ministry, when it comes to a church like ours, when it comes to our missionaries on the field, they're out there around the world. That was, when it comes to all of that, you know what needs to happen? We all need to be giving regularly so that when the need arises, the money is there. Does that make sense? It's just a practical thing. And so what I really want you to say is you need to grow in, not to, and I'm so encouraged, man. You know, we ask, we bring things to you sometimes, you know, hey, this person's in need, or we have teenagers who can't go to camp, or, and you guys are so awesome. I mean, seriously, I don't think we've ever had one of those needs arise, Dave, that we haven't collected what needed, right? Never happened. You guys are awesome. But I really want to challenge you. Grow in this idea of giving regularly so that when need arises, when I get a call from a missionary who says, man, we just had this opportunity, we can actually get this piece of property and the building on it for $5,000, can you help us? And I can say, yeah, we have $500 we can give you, or we have 1000 we can give you. Why? Because you've already given it. Missions giving, we really need you to prayerfully look at that, that we can take care of the missionaries we've committed to and be able to help when those opportunities arise. Okay, that's enough of that. All right. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We get a lot more instruction. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about giving to this special offering, which I just referenced, okay? Um, and so these are, it's, it's not like he's talking about a tithe here, that kind of thing, but the principles that we have here with respect to giving are very, I think, informative to us. Uh, we're on page 1331. So, start in verse 1 of chapter 8. He says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Okay? So he's using the... the, the Churches in the area of Macedonia, as an example to the Corinthians, the church in Macedonia was poor. They were a poor church. And as we read this and, and hear what Paul has to say, they, they determined to participate in this offering. And apparently what they determined to give, Paul was like, wait a minute. Can, I don't know if that you should give that much, right? Because you are poor. And he says, no, they weren't having it. He says, they had their afflictions, but their joy and even their deep poverty, in verse 2, somehow their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality, in their generosity. They were generous. Now, think about this just a minute. If someone is making $200 a week, and that's nothing, right? Nowadays, if you want to try to live anywhere, two hundred dollars a week, and they purpose it and they say, you know what? We're going to give fifty dollars to this special thing. Is that generous? Hugely generous. 
What about the person who's made it in our eyes of our world? They're making $5,000 a week. What's generous for them? I don't know. But here's what I want you to see. Is that your willingness to give is much more important than how much you can give. Than the amount you give. What's going on in your heart is the much bigger thing. In fact, look in verse 12 down here. He says, for if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. God's expecting you to be generous with what you have, not with what somebody else has. So it's not about how much you can actually give. It's about what's going on in your heart and your willingness and your desire. So let's go back up here again, verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. Okay, we believe God has led us to give this, and, and we are willing to give more if God should enable us. See, that's where we ought to be. When we give... I'm giving this, I'm giving to God, I'm trusting Him. All these things we've been talking about, and God, man, I, I'm willing to give more. Show me, enable me. I want to give more. I want to be generous. Okay, let's continue reading. Verse 4, he says, that they implored us with much urgency that we would receive the gift in the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So they, they had to talk Paul into taking this from them. And then he says this, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So what was the key issue here? For these people, what did they do? They surrendered to the Lord. Okay, God, you know our situation. You know our finances. You know all of this. But God, we are willing to do whatever you want us to do. And they pray about it and they evaluate, and they, they trust God, and, and something becomes clear to them, and then they give it. See, that's where we need to be. Surrender to the Lord. God, I will do whatever you want me to do. I will give whatever you want me to give. And then you work that out with him. You work through that, and you've reached a conclusion, and then you give it. Okay, that's what we see. Verse 8. He says, But I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love. By the diligence of others. I'm showing you the Macedonians love. They love God. They love people. What's it result in? They give. And it's not being manipulative here. He's just telling them, you know. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, right? And we are to give. So giving becomes an expression of our love for the Lord. He told us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And to love our brothers and sisters in Christ as he has loved us. And sometimes that means we need to give, doesn't it? All right? So it does challenge us. I can say I love God. I can say I love other people. How does it show up in my life? And when it's a financial issue, how does it show up in my giving? All right? Verse number 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And I don't want to spend too much time on that, but we got to understand, I think heaven is just, uh, Melanie and I were talking today. No, we weren't, we did. You do and I did talk today. It was Paul and I talked today about we don't have a clue probably what heaven's really like, right? How amazing it is. One of the greatest things is there's no sin. No sin, no problems from sin, no curse, none of that stuff. It's not there. Jesus left all of that. 
The Son of God left all that and came to earth into our world that is cursed by sin, all the ugliness, all of my sin, all of your, he came. So this idea, he was rich, the riches of heaven, but he made himself poor. Why? So that you and I can make it to heaven and experience the riches of heaven. And so the idea is this, he gave up something so that we might gain something. Well, that's the way we need to look at our giving. Are there people in this world who need to know Jesus? You know, our missionaries, again, I, I'm talking about missionaries, but I think of our missionaries out there. There are people all around the world that have never heard the gospel. We're, we can go online anytime we want and see it, right? I mean, they need to know Jesus. Am I willing to give up something so they can gain something? And this is what Jesus did. We what? We grow to be like the Lord. This is a way, when we become generous in our giving and view is this, this giving is to meet the needs of people who need to know the Lord, then we not only are growing to be like the Lord, we, we're getting into telling others about the Lord, right? Because I can't tell that guy who lives in Ethiopia about the Lord. But I know a missionary there who could and will. We don't support them, but I know one. All right. Okay, let's go on down to chapter 9. 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6. Just the next page or so there. He says, But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We get that in the idea of gardening or agriculture. The more you sow, the more you're going to reap, right? But what he's talking about here is in, in our giving, and I want you to see this, that generous people experience God's generosity. So much, reap much. And let me just say right up front, do not hear me saying that, oh, if I will give, you know, I'll give that 10% or more, or I'll give this, that God's going to make me rich. He may not do that. But I guarantee you, he will bless you. There are many ways that we get blessed besides money, true? He will bless you with that. Um, so generous people experience God's generosity. Verse 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudging or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here's the deal. You and God are going to get together. You have to decide how much you're going to give. And it needs to come from the heart. And so you and the Lord are going to get together and, and you and your heart are going to make this decision with him. What am I going to give? God, what do you want me to give? Do you want me to stretch my faith? Do you want me to give 10% as, as Walt has talked about from the scriptures or something else, more or less, whatever. But in your heart so that when you are done with this, and, and how this works, by the way, is, at least for me, and is you, know, you, you talk to God and you say, God, I'm willing to give whatever you want me to give. What do you want me to give? And... I think about that, I ponder it, and I continue to pray about it and chew on it. And, and at some point, all of a sudden, something starts to come into focus. I start to say, oh, wow, it seems like you're wanting me to give this. Lord, is that right? And you, you, you continue with it, and at some point, it's just in your heart. I know. This is what I'm purposing in my heart to give. And so you give that. All right. Now, very important, don't give because you have to. Give because you want to. If you're giving because you have to, you have not understood what we're saying today. Okay? 
Give because you want to, because God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, I looked up in the Greek, and I've talked about that in the past, but let's just, I just look it up in English. English definition, right in there. Google pops up this definition. First thing it says, cheerful is somebody who's noticeably happy and optimistic. I'm noticeably happy I get to give. It's not, no, I get to give. And I'm optimistic. Why? Because God is going to work. He's going to take this money and do something with it. And he's going to do something with it in my life. And then this whole idea again, but what about, you know, my needs? And Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God will enable you to do whatever you need to do. You be faithful in giving to him. He will enable you to do whatever you need to do. So I guess, in a sense, you have a decision to make, don't you? We always have a decision to make. Um, right there. Do you believe God will take care of you when you give the way he said you should? You've got to decide, do I really believe it? What's the test of whether you really believe it? I believe it. I don't do it. But I believe it. No, you don't. Right? That's when we really step out that we say, I believe this. And uh, once again, it doesn't mean that there won't be, you won't struggle or have concerns. You will. But so let me just go back. Tell me this, 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 these six concepts, stewardship, off the top giving, percentage, from the heart, generosity, God's sufficient provision and amazing blessings. You see how we saw these all through the scripture. All right. So here is just a quick application. I'm not going to spend long on this. When you learn to give, here's, here's why you need to give your money away, okay? This is why you need to do it. First of all, it's because it's going to teach you to be a faithful steward of God. It's going to teach you because not, I guarantee you, when you get serious about giving to God first and off the top, you're going to start to think about all the rest of your money differently. This is, God has given this all to me, not just what I gave. So you're going to learn stewardship. Second thing it's going to do is provide you with a powerful reminder, or an ongoing reminder that God comes before anything else in your life and that all of your money is to be used for his purposes in your life. That's really how he's going to teach you this stewardship. But when you give to God first before everything else, you are saying, God, you come first in my life. You come first before anything else. All right, the third thing, and this is the idea of the percentage, enables you to experience the joy and freedom. Oh, no, you got it. I'm sorry. Percentage, I read the wrong thing here. It draws you closer to the Lord and makes you more dependent on Him. And I'm saying this, that when you get with God and you say, okay, God, what percentage do you want me to give? Like I said, and for Glenn and I and many Christians, he said, well, 10%, this makes sense to us from the Scripture. We've got to start there, okay? And, and you settle that. But the idea is you have to go to God. God, how do I, I just described that. And that draws you closer to the Lord. And then when you do what God has led you to do, this is cool. This is God and me doing this. I'm drawing closer to the Lord. And then I gave it and I go, oh boy, i got to depend on God now. Right? But that's an exciting place to be. Waiting for God to keep his promises to you. All right. And then the uh, idea of uh, giving from the heart. It enables you to experience the joy and freedom that comes from heartfelt giving. When you get with God in your heart on this, you know what you do is you, you let go. You let go. Money no longer has control over you. Does it still affect your life? Sure. But it doesn't control you. 
Not anymore. And it's, it's an awesome place to be. And then it helps you to grow to be more like the Lord. This is this generosity. Okay? Like Him. Becoming poor that we might be rich. And so we grow to be more like Him. As we become generous people. And then finally it allows you to learn the lessons and experience the blessings that only come through honoring the Lord with your giving. There are things that you will learn and experience as you really come online with God and your giving that will you, you, you won't learn anywhere else. Anywhere else. All right, so we need to stop. Um, yeah. Because I really was joking about being here till two. But let me encourage you. Don't let this go. That was interesting and leave. No, I, will you take us this week? You say, okay, God, are we doing what, we want, what you want us to do? Are we handling our money the way you want to handle it? Let me just say this, because we didn't certainly have time for all this. But what, what I did this week, and I asked Pastor Dave, he looked over too, and we talked about it some, is I have a sheet here that says priorities for your income. And it, it kind of combines the things we talked about last week and the things we talk about this week. And the idea is you would just sit and say, okay, I have income. What, what do I need to do with this income? What are some ways, in what order do I need to do these things? Okay? And our teens, Anthony and our teens have these, and they're going to hand them out to you as you go out the, the back door today. Okay? Encourage you. Take it. Don't get mad at it. If you disagree with it, fine. Take it up with God. Do what God wants you to do. I, I don't, you know, that's not the deal. But this could be very helpful to you. Okay? All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and that you tell us about these things. I thank you for everybody here, Lord, their, their seeming openness today. And I pray, Lord, that you'll stir all of our hearts to grow in this area of our lives. And I do pray, Father, if someone's here today and they don't know your son as Savior, that they would understand that the reason Jesus, your son, became poor was that we might become rich, that we might have our sins forgiven and receive eternal life by receiving Him as Savior. Lord, we want to honor and glorify You. We want You to be big in this place. We want You to be known in this place. And I can't help but believe and convince the Lord as we give more and more the way You teach us to in Your Word that it will change us and then change our church. Thank You so much, Lord, for those who over the years have been faithful to give like this. I pray your great blessings on them. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go have a great week walking with the Lord.